0: Hi, everyone. This is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through his word for his people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship him and take his message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. The rest of you, I invite you to find your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the epistle of 1 Peter chapter 3. As you're turning there, see if you can relate to this on Christmas morning. Perhaps for you, it goes something like this scenario here. The table is set with all of your holiday dishes. You put out your best silver for that day. The smell of turkey is kind of drifting throughout the house. The Christmas tree is covered with all the twinkling lights and all the ornaments while all the presents fill the underside of the tree, just waiting for them to be opened. You look around one more time. You're thinking that you just want to make sure that everything is set just right. And then the doorbell rings. The first of many family members begins to arrive. And within minutes, the house, it is bubbling with conversation and mixed with that familiar holiday music. You're crossing your fingers that it all stays well. You whisper to yourself, so far, so good, but you spoke too soon. In comes Betsy Bossy. Now, no relation to anyone here, I promise you. But she begins to move around the room. And she now she goes, she starts moving around the garland that you spend hours trying to get just right. And she says, nice decorations. Where'd you get them? If you would have checked with me first, I would have gotten you some of the best ones. And oh, I wouldn't have draped that garland like that. I would have done it more like this. And so it begins. Across the room, you hear Critical Clara coming along. She clears her throat. throat) She warms up her onstage voice while approaching your sister. You think to yourself, you want to say, incoming, and hope that she hears you and that she can get away from Clara. But it's too late. Critical Clara is now on the hunt. And she gets to your sister and she says, well, it looks like you didn't keep your New Year's resolution from last year, did you? 25 pounds, huh? Looks like you didn't lose them, you found them. Your sister, she turns beet red and is completely frozen. Later, as everyone's sitting down at the dinner table, critical Clara, she blurts out, Oh, I just pray the turkey isn't as dry as it was last year. Then Uncle Hank, he drinks too much. Cousin Judy, she can't stop talking about her love life in detail. And oh, oh, Grandma, she likes to give compliments. They're always veiled in criticisms of one kind or another. Oh, honey, this casserole, it's almost as good as Jane's. You were so thoughtful to make it. Did you use a box mix? Tension's. They can exist in any family, even in the closest of families. Nothing is more unfortunate and upsetting as when the joy, the joy of this holiday season, it is overtaken by the dissension and friction that comes from family. As Christians, we're not immune to difficult situations. We don't get a pass on dealing with difficult people in our life. Jesus, he wasn't immune to difficult relationships either. He struggled with critical Pharisees, with siblings who didn't believe he was who he said he was. And even his closest friends, they deserted him at his biggest time of need. So don't be thinking, well, it can't or it shouldn't happen to you. The holidays for all of the hopeful, all of the preparation, all of the sparkle that goes on, it can come apart very quickly when difficult people, when they do as they do. We all know some variation of critical people like this. People who can bring fear and dread into any family gathering, into any holiday experience. So, what can we do? Today, as we continue our series, Surviving the Holidays, we're going to talk about how all of us can relate to dealing with those difficult people. By difficult people, I mean all the different categories of difficult people. They're the gossips, the bullies, the manipulators, the intimidators, the blamers, the criticizers, the complainers, the whiners. Just fill in the blank. There are so many more things we could say. If that describes someone that you have to deal with during the holiday season, there's no surprise why God has brought you here this morning. You're in the right place to bring that joy, bring it back into your holiday gatherings. Why do I say that? Because today, we're going to discover the biblical way to handle those difficult people. By a show of hands, real quickly, how many of you know a difficult person? You all have a difficult person you have to deal with during the holiday season? How many of you work with one or you have worked with one in the past? So many different people. How many of you live with a difficult person? Don't raise your hand on that one, okay? Don't raise your hand. They might be sitting next to you right now. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, all I can say is you need to get out a little bit more often. The truth is, all of us, we all have to deal with difficult people from time to time. Some of you work with them. Some of you have neighbors that are difficult people. Some of you just spent Thanksgiving dinner a couple of weeks ago with some difficult people. Some of you have family members who are difficult. Like I said, you live with difficult people. And some of you are going to spend the Christmas holidays around those difficult people. I must confess, being a pastor, it isn't all suits and Bibles and leather chairs and hallelujah course. It's not all of those things. When you're a spiritual leader, a leader of a faith community, you have to deal with some difficult people. And I've got to tell you, over my what, eight or nine years in ministry so far, I've had to deal with some real doozies. The problem is, there's no class anywhere. There's no seminary class. There's no courses you can take. Nothing that's going to teach you, this is how, step A, step B, step C, how to deal with those difficult people. I wish there had been. But you see, for me, it's been an OJT thing, that on-the-job training, learning as you go. Along the way, yes, I, I'm absolutely sure I've made my share of mistakes. And through it all, I've made those mistakes have struggled through them. But I've also gained some life knowledge, some wisdom about dealing with those difficult people. I have a hunch that many of you would like to hear this wisdom. You'd like to learn how, learn what I've learned, learn how to deal with these people. Because like I said, some of you, you're dreading the Christmas gatherings you're going to have to go to. Because you know that you're going to have to suffer through days, maybe even a week of an overbearing family member. One who belittles everybody or complains about everything all the time. Some of you, like I said, you work with someone in the office who gossips about everyone and she's just driving you crazy. Some of you have an in-law who just criticizes everything you do. No matter what you do, anything you do is not good enough for them. Some of you have a neighbor or perhaps a supposed friend who you see just from time to time who talks behind your back. They try to sabotage everything that you're trying to do. Some of you live with people who are always blaming you or maybe even blaming someone else for everything that goes wrong, for all of their problems. And they never take responsibility for themselves. What do you do with people like that? How do you respond to people who act that way? Is there a way to respond to difficult people so that you don't live with regret? Is there an effective way to respond to these difficult people that won't get you fired, that won't ruin your reputation, that won't get you arrested, or won't get you banned from any future family gathering? Is there a way to deal with these difficult people that it will not compromise your faith? There was a time in my life when I struggled with a difficult person. And I was asking those very same questions. At that time, I came across a passage of Scripture that changed everything for me. The passage that liberated me. It enabled me to, to respond to difficult people in an effective and appropriate way. But not only that... This new insight, it actually helps me receive a blessing whenever I deal with a difficult person. That's right, you heard me correctly. It gives me a blessing. This passage helps me receive a blessing when I'm dealing with a difficult person. And I want to share that passage with you this morning. Because I believe if you apply the wisdom of this text, you too, you can be liberated and you can receive a blessing when you're dealing with difficult people. We're going to do it a bit differently this morning. I'm going to walk us through this passage. And I'm going to give you some insights and some teaching along the way. And then I'm going to close out in the end with some practical application from this text. Our text this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, 1 Peter is a great book to read when dealing with difficult people because it's written to persecuted Christians. Christians who were being pounced on by all kinds of difficult people. They were just attacking them from all different sides. These Christians, they had been thrown out of Jerusalem. They were spread out all over Asia Minor. They were being persecuted by the Roman government because they claimed that Jesus, that He was Lord and not Caesar. So the writer of First Peter, he shared how they should respond to those who were against them. Looking at it, let's begin in verse 8. We're going to read through the first part of verse 9. It says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling with reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Wow, that was an epic idea then. And it's also an epic idea today right? When these words were written back then, it was lawful to retaliate against someone, to get even against them, those people who were against you. They could do that and get away with it. Today, well, you know what? It seems to be acceptable in so many societies today as well, doesn't it? Yet, according to First Peter, as followers of Christ, that's not an option for you. We don't retaliate. In fact, we're to go one step further, he tells us. We're to respond to these insults. We're to respond to the evil with sympathy and a tender heart. Look at the rest of verse 9 there. It says, For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. So, as followers of Christ, we're called to respond this way to respond to evil with goodness. It's not a suggestion, it's not an idea, it's not an option if you decide you want to do it. It's a command from Christ. We're called to do it. If this idea seems difficult or even impossible, you need to know you'll receive a blessing by responding this way. What is the blessing? Let's keep reading. Verses 10 and 11. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Here he's quoting Psalm 34. It seems like a tall task, right, to always seek out peace, especially when you're faced with a difficult person. How can you do it? Well, let's read on. Let's look at the first part of verse 12. It says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. How do you repay evil with a blessing? By understanding that God, that He is watching you. He is cheering for you. He is pulling for you. He's sending His power to you. How? He's doing it through prayer. When you go to Him and you commune with Him and you talk with Him through prayer. God, He is attentive to our prayers. Now there's a concept that you need to adopt. Have you ever prayed for a person who is difficult? Have you ever prayed for God to help you with a person who's difficult? Friend, I'm going to tell you, it works. God answers those prayers. Let's read on. Let's look at verse 13. I'm going to read through the first part of verse 15 here. It says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. First Peter here, he reinforces the fact that we don't act on our own power. We shouldn't be afraid or we shouldn't be intimidated by these difficult people. When we allow our hearts to draw closer to Christ, draw closer to His love in our life, He will give us the power to respond to these difficult people, to respond to their insults with a blessing. And when we do this, something extraordinary happens. Take a look at verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. These verses here, these are amazing verses. When we choose, when we choose to respond to evil with a blessing, it's going to turn heads. It's going to get someone's attention because no one acts that way in the general population. In fact, it may even embarrass the difficult person when you do that. When we rise above the crowd, when we respond to these insults and these criticisms, when we respond with love and with goodness, people, they are going to notice. And there's a good chance that they're going to wonder, what's different about him? What's different about her? Why are they acting that way? How can they act like that after what just happened to them? So we must be prepared to tell them why we act the way that we do. What do we tell them? The answer lies in verse 18. Let's continue on. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That's what you tell them right there. For you see, all of us can be difficult at times. All of us, we can be abrasive. We can be insensitive at times. All of us, we can be impossible to deal with at times. How did Christ respond to us as we were difficult in our sins? With unbelievable love, grace, and mercy. Why must we repay evil and insults with a blessing? Because that's what Christ has done for us. But so often, so often we just forget that. We let that slip by the wayside. When we're dealing with a difficult person, we forget that we too, we can be difficult as well. Have you ever noticed that we're not as hard on ourselves when we're difficult as we are on the other people when they're difficult to us? But as we draw closer to Christ and we draw closer to his love, we remember what Christ, what he has done for us. Church, friends, if there's only one thing that you remember from this morning, here's the message for today that I want you to remember. We're never more like Christ than when we love the unlovely. I'm going to say that one more time. We're never more like Christ than when we love the unlovely. We're never more like Him than when we respond to evil with goodness. We're never more like Him than when we respond to that insult with a blessing. Your response to difficult people will either betray your faith in Christ or it will reveal it. And responding to difficult people is perhaps your greatest opportunity in your life as you live it to be a witness to the power and the grace of God's love and Jesus Christ to some of these people. If you don't respond the right way, you may miss the best opportunity that you have to share the love of Christ with them. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's this. Your life is your message. Your life is your message. And how you respond to difficult people is your sermon. Let me say that again for you if you're writing it down. Your life is your message. And how you respond to difficult people is your sermon. Remember, the world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. Let me get down to just how this works now. In a few weeks, you may be around the Christmas tree, celebrating Christmas with your family. You may be around the Christmas dinner table with some difficult people. You may have to travel for miles and miles, maybe even hours, sitting beside a difficult person this holiday season. You may run into a difficult person at work tomorrow or maybe when you're out shopping at Walmart later this week. So here's some practical applications, some tips that you can do. How do we deal with them? This is what you do first. You pray persistently. Today, if you haven't already, you need to start praying for that person. Ask God. Ask Him to help you with that person. Help you understand how you need to respond to them. How you need to do that and doing it in a loving manner. Do it to that person so that they know that Christ is in you. If they don't respond the same back to you, that's not on you. That's on them. But let me tell you, it's amazing what can happen when we pray for the difficult people in our lives. God will help us. He'll be there. Praying for a difficult person, it also kind of helps us humanize them just a little bit. I know many of you have heard this truth before, but here here it goes again. Hurt people hurt people. Meaning, what typically happens is this. If we're hurt, what happens? We hurt back, right? I mean, somebody hurts us, we just want to snap right back at them and hurt them right back. And if they're hurt, what are they going to do? They're going to hurt us right back. And what happens? That cycle just continues on, doesn't it? Where does that cycle end? But when we, when we through prayer, when we're able to recognize that oftentimes people are difficult because maybe they're hurting inside. Maybe we just need to understand that it helps us gain an understanding and some sensitivity into the relationship that we have with them. Recently, I read that if someone hates you, it's usually because of one of three reasons. Number one is they see you as a threat. Number two is they hate you because they hate themselves. And the third one is this, they hate you because they want to be you. Those are the three reasons that somebody usually hates you. Remember those, reflect on those in your life. How does it apply to you and your situation? That's what you need to dive into. You need to understand. The second step to dealing with these difficult people is you should respond respectfully. Now, here's where I want to give you a few guaranteed responses to help you with difficult people that might disarm them in a respectful way. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, that's just not possible. You don't know the people that I'm dealing with. Well, I certainly believe it is. The next time you're faced with a difficult person, you're faced with someone who begins speaking in a hurtful manner, someone who says some inappropriate things, what I want you to do is to try out these statements. Just look at them and say, hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more. Or maybe, that's interesting. Why would you say that? Or, that's interesting. Why would you ask that? I want to hear everything that you have to say on that. Just not in that manner. Just use those statements and see how it disarms them. Those responses have the potential to deflate the negative emotions that are in that room. And it helps draw the attention to the unkindness, but it does it in a respectful manner. Nine out of ten times, if you use one of those responses, it will get you out of the jam that you are in. On Christmas, if someone brings up politics in the past election, remember, it's not a winnable fight. And then shift the conversation away. If they keep on pushing and pushing and pushing as some will do, just simply say to them, hey, you know what? If it's okay with you, I would rather not discuss this topic today. It's not about that. It's about Christ. It's about him. And then the third thing and the final way to deal with them this morning is this. You should compliment courageously. Okay, this may seem impossible to do, but it works wonders. It absolutely does. The next time you're faced with a difficult person, try. I know it can be hard. I realize that. But try to find something about them that you can appreciate. And then tell them. Okay, that's the other part of that. Tell them that you appreciate them for this particular reason. Why? Sometimes people are difficult just because they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel valued at all. When they feel appreciated, oftentimes they will release whatever anger or whatever sense of vengeance that they're holding on to in that relationship. The holidays, with all of its hopeful preparation, with all of the sparkle that's going on, they can come apart at the seams, come apart very quickly when difficult people do what they do. We all know some variations of people like this. People who strike fear, people who strike dread into the holiday experience. So what can we do? How do we do this? Let me close with this. I want to give you 10 quick tips. 10 quick tips on how to make the most of your holiday celebrations this year, especially when you're dealing with those difficult people. Number one is this. Don't expect others to change. The secret is in recognizing that you can be the change and how you respond to those difficult people. That can completely change your experience in that relationship. We could delve into the whys about difficult people for hours and hours this afternoon. And while these insights, while they might prove to be interesting to us, the fact is they are who they are, okay? And you cannot change them. The only thing you can do is change you and your attitude in that relationship. Number two is this. Recognize that your family members are broken. It's not your job to fix them. I've said this earlier and I'm going to say it again. Hurt people hurt people. This is not an excuse now for poor treatment, but it's acknowledging that your family's brokenness and by understanding that it may help us put it all into perspective and understanding that they're broken and you're broken might help resolve some of the issues in that relationship. Number three, remember you can be difficult too. We naturally think about how other people cause us difficulty, how they cause us pain in our life. But the truth is, each of us, everyone in here, we can be difficult. We're all broken. We're all imperfect people. And around the holidays, we often revert back to our childish thinking. We become very self-centered during this holiday season. A good first step is to start examining yourself. Is to get that proverbial plank out of your own eye and ask yourself some basic questions. How might I be contributing to this problem? Has the person done something morally wrong or am I just finding them annoying? And that's why I don't like them. Have I ever made the same type of mistake that they're making right now? thinking about how we too, how we have been selfish, how we can be critical or whatever, and that we're sinners, that helps us to be wise and patient and slow to judge others for the behavior and the words that they throw out at us. In fact, it's actually a good idea to take a personal inventory to make sure that you aren't someone else's difficult person. If, in all honesty, you suspect that you are someone else's difficult person, I encourage you to make a few minor adjustments and promise yourself that you will give your best this year to them. Number four is this. Be aware and prepare. Use the truth of God's word to prepare your heart and to create boundaries in your relationship. How do you create good boundaries? Best way to do that, put on the full armor of God. Look at Ephesians six ten through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. God's armor, it kind of creates a boundary that allows you to engage with difficult people in a way that kind of moves them toward you and yet gives you protection from their negativity and from the criticisms that they will throw out. Remember, although you may feel that you've been provoked into anger, you make that choice whether or not you respond anger with anger. Difficult people, they will often hone in on a person's vulnerability, and then what happens is they go in for that kill. Instinctively, they'll go right for that vulnerability that you have in your life. They can destroy you with just one well-placed insult, and their aim is to make you look small and make them feel big. Self-awareness and understanding that we're fully accepted, we're fully loved by Jesus Christ. They are the two strongest weapons that you have against bullies and difficult people. Number five is this, maintain realistic expectations. It's important to maintain realistic expectations through the holidays. People won't change just because it's Christmas time. Okay. Just because it's the holidays, the time of joy and cheer, that's not going to change them. You may have made some life changes in your life, but others, they may not make those same changes. They'll most likely do what they've always done during the holiday season and during any time of year, in fact. If they were overbearing and they were critical before the Christmas tree, before it went up, well, then they're most likely going to be overbearing and critical after the tree goes up. Simply remind yourself of your difficult relative's character so that you can make the proper emotional preparations for your gathering. Some people don't do well during the holidays because, you see, it reminds them of the abuse that they've received in the past. If you were abused during the holiday season in the past, this time of year, it may automatically trigger some anxiety and some depression. What you need to do is you need to make some plans to have a safe person, someone you can confide in. If you feel that the emotional pressures are building up, they are rising within you. This will help give you the support that you need before you reach that breaking point in your life. You're recognizing that your own vulnerability and you're making preparations for assistance. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of a healthy personal insight that you have, and it's called good coping skills. Number six is this, don't bite the bait. Many difficult people, they're drawn into the drama, and they try to pull others into that drama right along with them, into their own little internal hurricane that's going on and try to whip it all up and whip it all out and stir it all up. They may try to provoke you or highlight your imperfections. And they might just do this just to try to justify themselves. Others, they may try to blame you for their own inappropriate behavior. They'll blame that on you. Resist the urge to respond in anger. And calmly state your thoughts while maintaining your boundaries, those boundaries you've set. Resist the urge, as they say, to bite the bait, to get the hook, to be hooked into that relationship. You choose to enjoy the holiday gathering, even if they choose to be miserable while they are there. Use restraint. As it says in Proverbs 10:19, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Number seven, watch the gossip. Instead of speaking directly to a difficult person, we often find it so much easier and even more gratifying at times to go tell someone else what the offender, they have done wrong to us. Oh, do you know what so-and-so just did to me? I mean, you can't believe. That's what we want to do. Gossip, friends, it is destructive in your life. It doesn't build harmony and gossip doesn't honor God. As Proverbs 26:20 20 tells us, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down number eight is listen it's just as important for us to listen our culture always emphasizes what our rights to be heard you need to make your opinion be heard you need to be known you need to be heard out there make sure they get your attitudes and your opinion in there we do that while it's healthy for us to express ourselves it's just as important for us to listen to others with the goal of understanding what they're trying to say to us Listen to what Proverbs 18.2 has to say. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Number nine is nurture relationships with healthy family members and friends. Identify the healthy people that you have in your life. They are there. Find them. Seek them out. And then proactively spend time with them developing those relationships so you have something positive going on during the season. Number 10 is this. Trust God. Trust Him. Once you've prepared your heart, once you've prepared your spirit for this gathering, for these relationships, for these interactions, then you must trust God. He will give you his peace and confidence. Now, you can relax and know that you have everything you need. You have all that you need now to survive those holiday gatherings and to truly enjoy yourself. Look, what is it the Bible promises us? What did I say earlier? We will inherit a blessing when we love the unlovely. The blessing, it may be a renewed or a repaired relationship. The blessing, it may be an opportunity to share your faith in Christ with someone who's never heard it before. The blessing, it may be experiencing the power of God through your life, working through you in that difficult situation that you're in. There will always be a blessing when we choose to love the unlovely. Imagine what this world would look like if... If every Christian decided to love the unlovely, just imagine what it would look like in our world today. Church, we're never more like Christ than when we love the unlovely. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620 336 2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church sermon podcast and have a blessed day.